if you'd like to be turning to Mark, uh, chapter 1, please. Um, Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. We're going to continue in our series that we began last week. So we're going to pick it up in Mark chapter 1, verse 14. And this is page, if you're using the church Bibles, 836. 836 in the church Bibles. Mark 1, 14. Now after John, that's John the Baptist, was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel, the great news of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? a new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her. And Jesus came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, in other words, when the Sabbath was over, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And Jesus healed many who were sick with various diseases, and cast out many demons. And he wouldn't let the demons speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, 
Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let's go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And Jesus went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But the man went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your living word, and we pray that the Lord Jesus Christ himself would walk out of these pages into our lives. In his name we ask it. Amen. Well, we have a, a new king, King Charles III, but how much authority does our new king really have? Imagine next weekend, you're in the center of Richmond, and lo and behold, there is King Charles walking along the pavement. And he comes up to you and says to you, go immediately to the Royal Botanic Gardens in Kew and do some weeding for the rest of the day until I tell you to go home. How would you react? Well, maybe I've got you wrong but I doubt very much that you would immediately drop everything you were doing and go straight to queue and do as he said. You may be thinking, well, he may be king, but he doesn't have that kind of authority over me. Thank you very much. I shall carry on shopping. Well, Mark begins his gospel with the great news about the King, Jesus, the Son of God. And as Jesus describes the good news in verse 15 of chapter 1, he says, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. And as we saw last time, that is another way of saying God's King has arrived to bring in the kingdom. And we may be saying, well, really, what kind of authority does he actually have? Well, we're going to see Jesus' authority, demonstrated in at least three ways in this passage. And as a fourth point, we're going to see Jesus' great priority as king. So, first, how does Jesus reveal his authority? Number one, in calling individuals to follow him, in, by calling individuals to follow him. 
in verses 16 to 20. Now, even though we sang a song just now which talks about Jesus' gentle invitation, actually, when you look at the text here, it's not an invitation or even a cajoling, is it? What happens? Well, look at verse 17. Jesus said to them, follow me. It's a command. It's not an invitation to discuss. There is a note of authority here. Now, it's actually quite striking when you realize that in those days, you chose your rabbi, your teacher. He didn't choose you, but Jesus completely turns that on its head. He goes out and he chooses his followers. And note three things briefly about this authoritative call. It is personal. It's not follow a movement or a cause or sign this petition. It is follow me. And he's standing right in front of them. And that's exactly what they do. It's personal. It is purposeful, secondly. I will make you fishers of men. I'll make you become fishers of men. In other words, if you follow me, you will be joining me in seeking to attract others to follow me. And it's not just personal and purposeful, it's pressing. Do you see that word at the beginning of verse 18? Immediately they left their nets, just there, and followed Jesus. When Jesus says, follow me, it's not something we say, well, how long have I got? Um, can I come back to you next week or next month or next year? No, it's now. Follow me now. And you see what Mark is doing? He's wanting his readers, he's wanting us to know that, that this is the kind of authority King Jesus has. Okay, for the time being, in our day, Jesus is not here in body, but he is here by his Spirit. He is actually here among us by his Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? It's the truth. And the king is still calling individuals by name to follow him. And I guess the question for us is, can you hear him calling you to follow him? I don't know if you've ever had that experience of being in an airport when the voice on the PA system says, now, uh, passengers on BA, one, two, three, two, wherever, uh, this is the last call for passengers, calling passengers, and then you're expecting some unpronounceable foreign name, right? At that point. Have you ever had that experience when it's your name? I have. <laughs> I can tell you it makes you go through a terminal at a rate of knots that you've never done in your life before. Um, when Jesus calls you, it is by name. You. What, me? Yes, you. I better do something. Yes. And when Jesus calls you, it's not to run through a terminal building, it's to give you a purpose in life. To go fishing for folk, to join in following Jesus. It means it is worth getting up every morning out of bed. It means you know what the purpose of the day is. Ultimately, it's, it's so that people may come to know Jesus through me. Like I have come to know Jesus as I have heard his call. This call that is personal and purposeful and pressing. So don't delay if you hear Jesus' call. And for many here today, we say, yes, by God's grace and mercy, I heard the call and I have responded. Well, 
let me remind you what the purpose of the call was, that you should be a fisher of men and women, and boys and girls. So don't delay, or you may not miss the plane to wherever, but the plane to eternal life. Jesus' authority is seen, first of all, in his call. Secondly, it is seen in his teaching and preaching, verses 21 to 28. Now, the scribes who normally taught in the synagogue, the gathering places, that's what the word means, would make their case by citing authorities, like a lawyer in court. If you've ever been to court, and you, if you want to go to court, you can go up to the Royal Courts of Justice or any court and go into the public gallery and listen. And you'll hear, if there's a barrister there, uh, something like, um, and Your Honor, in the case of Piffle versus Poppycock, da -da 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 -da, drone, 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 and also in the case of Yawn versus Comatose, But oh no, this is completely different. Verse 22, look. Jesus has entered the synagogue at end verse 21 and is teaching, and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, and not as the scribes who were always quoting other authorities, never claiming their own authority. No, he is claiming his own authority. He's speaking with authority. So verse 27, they were all stunned, that's what the word literally means, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? What are they stunned about? Look, verse 27, a new teaching with authority. Maybe you had an outstanding teacher you can remember from school days. I can remember Mr. Thomas, wonderful Welshman. And guess what? He was a Latin and Greek teacher. So how come, what did I end up doing for A-levels? Latin and Greek. Why? Well, because of Mr. Thomas. He was such a good teacher. But good as he was, he was nothing like Jesus. No one ever taught like Jesus taught. He taught with a stunning authority. Now, you may, I'll, I'll try not to notice, but you may doze off as I'm preaching this morning. But I tell you what, if Jesus was up here, no way would that happen. So Jesus' authority as the king is seen in his calling of individuals, in his teaching and preaching, and thirdly, in his power over the enemy. Verses 23 to 27. In the middle of this time in the synagogue, as Jesus is teaching, there's a commotion. Now, I don't know what the board of trustees made. I'm sure they, they, they had a policy about this uh, and a risk register, and it suddenly occurred to them that they should have made sure there was something about interruptions in the middle of teaching. What do you do? Um, well, we already know as readers of Mark's gospel that in verse 13, where Jesus is tempted by Satan, the adversary, that, that there is an enemy who's trying to derail Jesus' mission before it has even left the station. And it seems as you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that the, the demonic hordes broke cover during the time that the Son of God was on earth. 
Now, I think in our culture and in our context, we tend to underplay uh, the demonic world, Satan and his fallen angels. There are, there's a danger of doing that. There's a danger of overplaying um, and seeing him in, and his hordes in everything. But I think it's fair to say that there was an extraordinary outbreak of demonic possession and oppression in Jesus' day as they massed their troops, as it were, to oppose the Son of God. But what we see here is that the devil and his minions were no match for Jesus. Oh, they knew perfectly well who he was. Verse 24, as this unclean spirit cries out through the man, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus is not prepared to take testimony and witness from such a source. So he rebukes him. Verse 26, sorry, 25, be silent and come out of him, said Jesus. And with a word, Jesus silences the man and expels this unclean spirit. What do we read happens? Verse 26, and the unclean spirit convulsed the man and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. There was nothing that the demon could do to resist the powerful word of Jesus. Jesus is the Holy One of God and he dispels uncleanness. And if we were wondering what the new king's reign would entail here, is part of the answer. If we were wondering if he was a real king with real power and authority or just kind of some ceremonial king, here is proof positive that he had real power. And he has that power today. No demon, no devil can stand before Jesus. Don't believe the devil's lies. He's the father of lies when he says, oh, I can control you. It's not true. And this power of Jesus is a power that can dispel disease as well as demons just as easily. As in verse 30, Peter's mother-in-law finds out when they just tell Jesus about, oh, Simon's mother-in-law is ill with the fever, which of course in those days was much more serious than getting the flu in our day or whatever because they didn't have antibiotics. Uh, there was a chance that people would die from a fever. But it's no problem for Jesus. He came and took her by the hand, verse 31, lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. And what's the result? Well, it's, it's the Sabbath, remember. It's verse 29, immediately they left the synagogue. So it's still the Sabbath. There's, there's the restrictions on travel and on healing and, and activity. So they wait until the Sabbath ended at sundown, remember. And so what happens? Well, that evening, verse 32, at sundown, they brought to Jesus all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And this is in Capernaum, remember, which was quite a big city. Um, I was reading something this week which was suggesting the population was about 15,000. So in, in those days, that was a reasonably sized city. And what happens? Well, verse 33 describes it this way. It's an exaggeration, but it makes the point. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And then what happens? Well, verse 34, and Jesus healed. Well, it says many, but I don't think Mark is trying to say, and there were some who weren't healed. He's just saying they were all healed, and there was an awful lot of them, you know. There were many people who were healed. They were sick with various diseases, and many demons were cast out as well. 
we read in some of the other Gospels at this point that it just says Jesus healed them all. No one was left unhealed. Oh, sorry, that's a bit hard for Jesus. He can't quite do that. No, not at all. He did the lot, and he did it instantly. There was no come back next week and we'll see how you're doing, a sort of, or come back in a fortnight, the classic sort of GP approach. And you see what is happening? Jesus is, is giving, if you like, a full double spread color advert of what the kingdom of God will look like when it comes in its fullness. I don't know if you've ever been to someone's house and uh, you go in and it's a nice enough house and you, you suddenly see this strange patch on a wall, completely different color from, from everything around. And you think, what's that about? And your guest can see you kind of looking uh, sort of slightly skew whiff at this, um, this strange passion. Like, oh, yeah, what do you think of it? And you say, what, what do you mean, what do I think of it? Well, it's the color. We've, we bought one of those tester kits, tester pots, and we've, we've just painted a little to see what it looks like. Do you like the color? And there's a sense in which what Jesus is doing here and what Mark is telling us about is, is Jesus taking the, the, the paint pot of heaven and saying, just painting a bit on the wall, as it were, and saying, this is what it looks like. What do you reckon? When Jesus comes back the second time in glory and power on the clouds of heaven and brings in the kingdom in its fullness so that his reign will be undisputed, there'll be no more enemies, no more disease or death. What's it going to look like? It's going to look like this, where disease is banished, where the devil and his minions are banished. What a wonderful word that's, world that is going to be. And no wonder everyone wants a piece of Jesus the next morning. But what do we read? Verse 35, Jesus has got up very early before dawn. It's still dark, and he's gone off to a desolate place, and he's praying. And Peter and co., we read, Simon, verse 36, and those with him, searched for him. Where has, has anyone seen Jesus? Where's he gone? I mean, he's not in his room. He's nowhere in the house. Can't see him around the street. Anyone any idea? And they go and search, and they find him. And they say to him, I presume Peter voiced this, they say, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. What are you doing out here? You should be back in Capernaum waiting for the queue. And not for the last time, Peter tries to tell Jesus he's got it all wrong. He's missing the boat here. But actually, what happens is Mark shows that Jesus tells Peter that he's got it all wrong. This is not what he's come for. He's not come to be a healer. And what we see instead, fourthly and finally, is Jesus' great priority of teaching over healing. Verses 35 to 39. Now, Jesus could have trodden the path of popularity by healing all the sick in the entire world, going village by village and gradually clearing out the hospitals and the sick beds, and, and bit by bit, the entire world would have been rid of disease. He could have done that. He's going to do that one day. He could have done it in the first coming, but that wasn't the purpose of his coming. Not primarily to heal the sick, though of course he could do it, and he showed he had the power to do it, and he did it whenever he had opportunity and was thrust in front of him. He wasn't slow to do it. 
No, his prime purpose, as the next section, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, will show us, his prime purpose was to proclaim the message of forgiveness of sins. That is God's mission through Christ, through Jesus, and that is his great priority. So we see that in verse 38 as, as Jesus responds to Peter's comment and exclamation, everyone's looking for you. Jesus said to them, verse 38, let us go to the next towns. I'm not going back to Capernaum. Let's go to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out, to move on, to spread the message to the next place, to the next lot of people. And I would suggest to you that Mark is recording this so that we realize that if we're going to be followers of Jesus, if, he's, if we're going to answer the call, then he's going to make us, as verse 17 puts it, fishers of men, men and women, boys and girls. And that is to be our great priority too, as it was Jesus' great priority. We have a message to proclaim, and it's very easy to get distracted. I don't know about you, but I am so distractible. I blame the internet, um, but it's nothing to do with the internet. It's my scatterbrain, my butterfly mind. It just finds it so hard to settle. Are you, anyone else like that, or is it just me? <laughs> so easy to get distracted. I know what I should be doing. I should be preparing my sermon for Sunday morning, but, oh no, I have to check the sport, and I have to listen to what I, you know, I, I, it's terrible. And I wonder if that is why Mark records for us what happens in this final little episode at the end of the chapter, verses 40 to 45, where Jesus is confronted with a leper who begs him for healing. And leprosy, as you'll know, was, was a very isolating thing. You had to, we had to actually, it's very interesting if you read Leviticus, you had to cover the bottom half of your face. You had to have a face covering on. Oh, I thought it was new. No, no, centuries old. Um, but Jesus' response here, do you notice, it's, it's, it's a rather interesting response. It's twofold. Number one, Jesus is moved with pity, verse, 40, verse 41. Moved with pity, with compassion. And Jesus does a, the, the unthinkable. He stretches out his hand and touched the man. And you can hear the intake of breath as all the hearers, well, sorry, all the observers are saying, don't do it. But he does it. He touches him. Well, he'll be unclean. No, it's the other way around. He'll make the man clean. Because what do we see? He said to him, I will, I'm willing to, to cleanse you. Be clean. And immediately, verse 42, the, the leprosy left him and the man was made clean. So that's, that's one part of the, Jesus' response to the man. He's moved with pity. He reaches out, touches him, and heals him. The other part of Jesus' response is verse 43. And this is slightly surprising, isn't it? Perhaps. And Jesus sternly charged him. Well, you want to say, Jesus, be, be gentle with the man. <laughs> He's just been healed. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. You can translate that, sent him away, as expelled him at once. And said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone. Don't say anything about this. Just go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof. In other words, just don't breathe a word but simply follow the procedure for restoration in the community. And what happens? 
Verse 45, Jesus, uh, the man went out and began to talk freely about it. In other words, completely disobeyed what Jesus had just said, completely ignored it, and spread the news. And what's the result? Verse 45, so Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And didn't stop people coming to him, but, but do, you see, do you see what's happened? Jesus has just said in the previous section, look, I've got a task. I, I'm not come as a healer. I'm come as a teacher of the message, of the good news, of the kingdom of God. I will demonstrate it, sure, but it's the message I need to get across to people. They need their sins forgiven. They need to understand who I am and why I've come. And eventually, they need to understand why I need to die. As we go on through Mark, we'll see that. That is my task. That is my priority. Don't distract me. And then it's as if Mark says, and look what happens if Jesus gets distracted, if he is forced into the healing role. It won't work in terms of him fulfilling his mission. He'll just find he can't openly enter a town any longer. Verse 45. So I think it proves the point that if Jesus were to become known as a healer, he will be completely distracted from his mission. He'll be overwhelmed with the cue. No, his priority is to preach and to teach, not to heal. And I think we can take it from Mark that that priority still stands for those who follow Jesus and point people to him. It's very easy and it's very often that we hear this kind of thing that our task as Christians is to transform this world by eliminating things like injustice and, and war and poverty and cancer and whatever it may be, you can add to the list. But the reality is that their elimination, it's the right instinct, but it's the timing that's wrong. Because the elimination of these things belongs to the world to come. Yes, a world is coming, and Jesus has demonstrated it again and again. Look at the, the tester pot paint color on the wall. That is what it's going to look like, sure. But that is not the priority now. Of course we should do all we can to fight these things. But when King Jesus calls us to follow him, he gives us a clear job description to be people fishers. Everything else is secondary. That is our priority, as it was with Jesus. The king with a clear priority and real authority. And you know, the more we get to know this wonderfully compassionate, majestic authority, authoritative king, Jesus, our Savior, the more we will want others to know him too. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for reminding us through your word of Jesus' immense authority, his real authority, demonstrated in these ways, calling individuals to follow him. His authority in his teaching and preaching, his stunning authority, and his authority over the powers of evil and all the consequences of the evil one's interference with your world disease and death and the rest. 
And Father, we thank you for reminding us of the great priority of our Lord and Savior to get this message across while there is still time. And we pray that you would help us not to be distracted by secondary things, but to keep the main thing the main thing and to keep seeking to be fishers of men and women and boys and girls. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.